most people that I have met seem to know very little about overcoming through God, about obtaining your victories on this earth through God. God taught me to turn to him in prayer and take each problem to him. And God taught me about the Holy Spirit and how to recognize when God is bringing thoughts and ideas and concepts to my mind by his Spirit. We have ideas about things when we're dealing with a problem, how we can possibly solve that problem. Sometimes our ideas are from our own flesh. And sometimes our ideas are from other people. And sometimes our ideas are from devils. And for sure that's to destroy us if we go that way. But when you have God's thinking on the problem and his plan... You have absolutely guaranteed success. It will not fail. For example, if you're thinking of buying a new car, how will you know whether to do that or not? How will you know that you, you might need that money in the future? Are you really sure you should spend that money? Well, you can be sure that it's all right to buy it if God brings you the idea. Because you don't have to worry about spending that money. When God brings you the idea, it's a safe way to go. God knows what's going to happen in your life. He knows future. No one else knows the future unless God shows them. But he knows the future. So going in the way that God shows you to go is always the right way. Always. And I've never seen it fail. I'm 83 years old right now. I don't drive. I have my old car in Colorado, and Pam had her old car in Colorado. And for the first year that I lived here, it was hard to ride in either car because of the physical pain. I was considering having new upholstery put on the seats of both of our cars. My car was 25 years old, and I think hers was 16. And both of them had problems with the seats. So I thought I'd have the seat rebuilt and have new upholstery put on it, and then maybe I could ride in the car. And as I was thinking about this, the following came into my mind, and it was from the Holy Spirit showing me what to do in the will of God. Or you could just buy a new car. Well, I hadn't thought of that at all. I had sold the house in Texas. They sent the money directly to the bank. I hadn't spent any of it. And I thought, well, that's right, I could buy a new car. I thought upon that for the rest of the day. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit that brought that word to my mind. Is it safe to spend that money? 
Well, of course it is if God brings you the information that you could just buy a new car. It's totally safe. That night, God gave me a dream. And in the dream, I had bought a new car. At that point, I shared with Pam Paget, whom, with whom I live, member of the body of Christ, and I have a bedroom in her house. I shared with Pam what had happened. And I said, I want us to go out today and look for a new car because I'm sure God is showing me this. I don't do anything or spend any money to speak of unless I'm sure I have God's approval on the subject because I don't know the future. And if God shows you you have his approval to do that thing, you're safe. This is the way God has led me for the past 45 years or so. As we know, we go along in life and all of a sudden there's a problem that pops up. What do we do about this? Well, we turn to God and we let our request be made known unto God. We do Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything. Now it doesn't say be careful for nothing. Just forget about it. God will take care of it. There's no problem. It doesn't say that. Philippians chapter 4 says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What do you want to have happen in the situation? And then God may modify the direction that you're thinking of going and you go in an even better way and take care of the problem. I've had so much experience with God on this subject and he's taught me so strongly on it. I was born again in 1975 and God began teaching me. He taught me John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. This is a son of God saying, I can of mine own self do nothing. But as I hear from God, the Father, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's uh, John chapter 5, verse 30. I think we started with that verse after I was born again. And I thought, well, if Jesus couldn't do anything on this earth without hearing from God, I can't do anything on this earth without hearing from God. It just seems so reasonable to me. And from that point on, God taught me not just to turn to him, but how to hear the ideas that are from him, how to recognize them. He taught me that the Holy Spirit searches his heart and reveals to me the will of God for me. That's in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. He taught me that once he gives me a word, or a scripture, or a concept, to meditate upon that word day and night, 
He taught me what he taught Joshua. It's the same commission. It's a different problem and a different set of problems, but it's the same way of life. God immediately taught me Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 to do that, and Psalm 1. Let's look at those. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law, and I just translate that to mean Bible or the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If you meditate on the word that comes to you from the Spirit of God, if you meditate upon it day and night, it will get strong enough in you so that you do it. And then you'll have, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We're told the same thing in Psalms chapter 1. Let's look at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, same principle. Whatsoever you do will prosper. You'll be like a tree. You're not swept away from one direction to another. You're very solid when you hear from God. Very solid. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You cannot seek your wisdom from the world. You can't even seek your wisdom from other people and be safe. God knows the future. The only safe way to go is through prayer and then waiting until you're sure you've heard from God on the situation. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring you a scripture which gives you strength and shows you the way to go in the problem at hand. Sometimes he'll just bring you a concept. But it's just as sure as a scripture when it's from God because God is truth. So you're completely safe in going the direction that God shows you to go by his Spirit. You are not safe if you try to figure it out yourself. If you feel a devil is attacking you and you stand up to that devil by some scripture that you find in the Bible, that may not be the correct way to go at all. It may be that the devil is attacking you because you have allowed the devil to have entrance into your life. 
There may be something completely different that's allowing devils to attack you. God knows the answer. We don't know the answer. So we turn to God and trust him. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to believe God will speak to you. It takes faith to believe God can communicate with you. Because sometimes we'll think, but I don't see how God can show me that. And I usually, when that type of thought comes, I usually just think on the creation of God. God was able to create the heavens and the earth. Surely, God can communicate with me. I had a problem arise recently, and God gave me a scripture. He called to my mind Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The information in that set of scriptures that I needed was in the first verse. Let us lay aside every weight. Sometimes we will take on some kind of weight that is unnecessary and it burdens us. And I had done that. We started uh, on Twitter And I was so interested in the number of people that would respond. That's a weight. It has nothing to do with my job. It affects it in no way. If it's one person that responds, I've still done my job. My job is to present the message. It has nothing to do with the numbers of people or anything like that. And this scripture showed me where the problem was in my life. I was looking at the number of people that responded to each message. And at first I was even reading it incorrectly. And it looked like more were responding and see, and viewing the message than were. And that was a little depressing to me. And I told God, this is a little depressing to me. And that's when he reminded me of Hebrews chapter 12. It took about two days before I really turned to Hebrews 12. You think I'd turn immediately, but sometimes God is so gentle and subtle that we miss it the first time, and then we hear again to go to Hebrews 12, or we hear again to go to a certain scripture or to do a certain thing. 
Well, I, it took by the second day I'd gone to Hebrews 12, and I saw immediately in verse 1 the answer to my problem. I had taken on an unnecessary weight. So let us lay aside every weight. It's not that we get it the first time we read that scripture or any scripture that God gives us. That's why we keep it before us day and night for a season until we're strong enough to actually do the scripture. That's meditating on the word of God. I use my Kindle tablet and put scriptures in my photograph album. I put page prints of the scripture so that every morning I can look at that scripture and every night I can look at that scripture. And when I'm tempted, I can look at that scripture because it doesn't end immediately for me, at least. It takes some time before I do the scripture before I'm able to automatically do the scripture. And that's where meditating comes in. If you go back and read Joshua chapter 1, verse um, 8, you will see that as we meditate in the word of God, in the word from God, we then have the power that is needed to do that word. And then we overcome the problems of this life. So it's a rather a sequence for me. You have the problem. You turn to God and ask him for help. He brings to your mind by his spirit either scripture or a concept. When you recognize that he has brought you that scripture or that concept, you turn to that scripture. And you keep that scripture before you day and night until it is strong enough in you that it causes you to take certain action. Since I have understood what my problem was, I have not looked at the numbers of people who are looking at the daily tweets that I provide. I've not looked at those numbers at all since that time sometimes I still want to look at the numbers and when I find that I have a desire to look at the numbers I pull up that scripture in Hebrews 12 and I look again at what it says because the word is just not strong enough in me yet it takes time Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. So I read it again, and I go in this direction. These numbers are a weight for me. Don't do it. Lay it aside. And if it got so strong in me, so strong a desire to look at those numbers. I can also turn to God and just say, please help me. And he will. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you 
to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13. God will make a way of escape. I was badly injured in December 2018, and I had to go to the hospital and have surgery. And then I was in a rehabilitation hospital for the next two and a half months. And I was pretty much by myself in Lubbock. I would awaken in the morning, and it, it was just like, I don't see how I'm going to get through this day being alone. And I would talk to God about it. Please help me. Please help this day to pass. Let your request be made known unto God. And I would say, please fill this day for me and help me get through it. The next thing I knew, it was five or six o'clock. I'd been so busy with things that God showed me to do, yet I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even get out of the bed and walk to the bathroom, in which was in my room. I was so badly injured. I was just lying in bed all day. And yet God had things happen. He caused things to happen, and the day just flew by for me. I don't think I could have gotten through that two and a half months without turning to God and just asking him to help me. That's all it takes. In, if you're tempted, if you're tempted by something that's ungodly, and we all are tempted from time to time, we're tempted to say something that's ungodly. We're tempted to tell that person off. Every one of us has that temptation. All you have to do is say, God help me, please don't let me say that. And I have found that after the person has left, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just marvel at God. I marvel at it because I didn't even realize I didn't say what I asked God to not let me say. It's all a dependence on God as a little child. Except you become as little children, you won't enter the kingdom of God. It's not a matter that we figure out what to do. It's a matter that we depend on God and we have our faith in God. So I am born again by the Spirit of God in 1975. The Spirit of God said to me, just brought this thought to my mind. That's how he speaks to us. It's not an audible voice, usually. It's just a thought brought to our mind, and we can accept it or reject it. And he brought me this thought. Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, oh, sins? I thought they were mistakes. I was baptized in water when I was 15. I thought I was a Christian. But my life didn't change at all. I was still my own God, so to speak, figuring out what I wanted to do and doing it. 
When I was about 37 or 38, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to me that those mistakes I'd been making all these years were sins. Then I was born again. We are born again when God speaks to us and we agree with what he has said. I didn't fight him on that. I just was surprised. I didn't know those were sins. Before we have the Holy Spirit, before we're born again, often we don't really know that what we're doing are sins. But after he speaks to us, we know. Well, this is great because God is leading us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There are many people that go to church, but they're not led by the Spirit of God. They don't do any different whatsoever than they did before. It's some kind of pacifier to them. They feel good. They feel good because of the singing. They feel good when they look at the stained glass windows. They feel good when they look at the artwork inside the church building, the carved wooden work at the altar. It makes them feel good. And they leave church feeling good. And God said to me recently, they delight in their buildings and their stained glass windows and their carved wooden altars, but they don't delight in the Word of God. Their delight is not in the Word of God. It's in the appearance of godliness. And Paul warned us about that in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at that. Verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I have seen boasters in the churches. They'll say, God would never let that happen to me. I've seen boasters in the churches who thought that they could go to church in the midst of the coronavirus and not be affected. And I'm sure some of them were affected. I've seen them be so proud of their churches and brag about the churches, their own churches, to other people. I have seen them be unholy in the churches where they had a form of religion, but their delight was not in God. It was in the people at the church, in the dinners they went to, in the social activities. Their delight is sometimes even in their own selves in thinking they do good works. That's unholy. Their delight is not in that word of God. Verse 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, they can't control themselves, fierce, 
despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They love their church more than they love the Word of God. And verse 5, Paul says, having a form of godliness. They go to church, they have a form of godliness. But they don't love the Word of God. They don't live by the Word of God. They don't live by scriptures such as Matthew 5, 32, where Jesus says, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. They approve men marrying divorced women. See, they don't set themselves by the word of God. It seems like foolishness to them. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. That seems foolish. You're supposed to plan your life. See, it seems like foolishness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul described those of the Spirit of God, but then he also described the natural man. And in chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, neither can he do so, because they seem like foolishness to him. Many scriptures seem like foolishness to church people. They just ignore those scriptures, and they don't think about them. They don't conform themselves to the scriptures. They ignore the scriptures, and they go on to something else in the Bible that's pleasant to them. They say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I won't have any need in this life because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the word. And when you are reading, the Lord is my shepherd, you are basically reading the word is my shepherd, the word that comes down from God in the problem of the situation. That's my shepherd. I do that word and I don't have any want. But that's not what they live by. They delight in that. I mean, they enjoy thinking that that is their case, that God's leading them and they won't have any lack which they won't if God is leading them. But often it's not God leading them. The Lord is the word. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I'm following that word that's given to me by God in the situation of this life, overcoming. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 Jesus is speaking to the church at Sardis, and he says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Our name could be blotted out of the book of life if we fail to overcome through God. I know some of you are probably taught once saved, always saved. But look at this scripture closely. Jesus says he that overcometh, overcomes the problems of this life through turning to God and following God. 
He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We overcome not by ourselves, not through our wisdom, not through our strength. We overcome by taking that problem to God and asking for help and asking God for his wisdom and asking God to show us what to do about the problem. As little children turns to their father, we, as little children, know we can't take care of it by ourselves. Even Jesus said of mine own self, I can do nothing. But as I hear from God, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will but the will of the Father which is in heaven. John chapter 5 verse 30. Keep that scripture before you to help you turn to God. It's turning to God which is the key. When I was first born again in 1975, my best friend said, Joni, you've got to go to church. And I said, I do? And she said, yes. So I began going to the church that she and her husband went to. It was a little non-denominational church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel. Their pastors were from Dallas Theological Seminary. I knew really nothing. But I had been born again by the Spirit of God when I went there. Their pastor was teaching that tongues were of the devil. One day I was reading the Bible, and I was reading in 1 Corinthians 14, I think verse 39 maybe, and Paul said, Covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Don't forbid tongues. Well, the church I was attending was forbidding tongues. I either had to give up the Bible and go to that church, or go to that church and give up the Bible. I had a choice between the church I was attending and the Bible. Instantly, I made that choice to go by the Bible, and I never went back to that church again. One day, my best friend and I were driving down the highway, and I said, by the way, Donna, did you know that Paul said Forbid not to speak with tongues? She stopped the car and she said, where did, he, where did he say that? She said, let me see, let me see. Well, I always had, from the time I was born again, I had a little, one of those little black New Testaments and I kept it in my, my purse and I was always reading it. And Donna said, let me see that. So I turned to it and showed her and she said, that is what he says. She said, now let's go over to my house and we'll look through all of the different translations of the Bible that I have at my house and see what they say. Every one of them said the same thing. And yet at the church we were attending, they were forbidding tongues. They were teaching that tongues were of the devil. And really, I was scared to death. 
I went to a prayer group one time, and there was only about five of us. We were sitting at a kitchen table, and I I just was shocked because these women would read the newspaper, and they would bring it to the prayer group and say, we need to pray over this situation. This person's going through. We need to pray. Well, that never occurred to me to pray over a situation like that, a stranger that you don't even know. They said, we need to pray over this. So they would bring the subject up and tell us about the problem. And then they they all agreed they needed to pray. So I bowed my head, and we were five of us sitting at the table. By the way, you don't have to bow your head when you pray. But I did at that time. I was a very, very new Christian. And... I bowed my head, and I heard something very, very quiet. It was sort of like a murmuring or a little little sound. And all of a sudden, I realized these women are praying in tongues. I was terrified. Ooh, I wanted to get out of there because our preacher was preaching that tongues were of the devil. And yet these God, these women were far more godly than I was. They cared about other people. So I sat there, and they would pray in tongues, low, low, very low. They would pray in tongues. And then someone would pray in English. As soon as I could, I left that group, And my friend who had introduced me to the prayer group said to me, Now, Joan, don't let this bother you. Well, it did bother me because of what they were teaching at the church I was attending. And then I saw that scripture, Forbid not to speak with tongues. But it still bothered me because the teaching at that church had gone down into my heart. Though I wasn't going to that church anymore, I was still terrified of tongues. So I set out to search the Bible to see what was true. I looked up every scripture that dealt with the subject of tongues. I convinced myself that tongues were not of the devil. Oh, they could be of the devil, certainly. I've seen terrible things going on in some churches where they thought it was the Holy Spirit, and I knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit. But the tongues they're talking about in the Bible, I knew it wasn't of the devil. When I searched the scriptures and went through all the scriptures and looked in the scriptures and compared scripture with scripture, I was totally willing to accept tongues in the church. I've left that church I first attended where they were teaching tongues was of the devil. At that time, one of these ladies from the prayer group who I thought was quite spiritual, she and her husband decided to go to Beverly Hills Baptist Church. So I went with them, and I can't remember anything really bad happening while I was there, But then later, she decided to go to Word of Faith, 
uh, church in Farmer's Branch, Texas, just out, just north, outside the city limits of Dallas. So I went with her and with her husband to Word of Faith. I just thought it was great. They were using scripture and standing on scripture. And that's what God had taught me to do. The only problem was this, which I didn't recognize. I went started there in 1977 and left in 1982 because of a dream God showed me to get to leave that church group. But I was there from 77 to 82. And I never missed church. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and all special services. And I went to a Bible class on Tuesday night that the man teaching at Word of Faith had. I loved it. It was my life. I had no life other than that. And I loved it. I didn't realize that what I was doing and they were doing was different. See, what God taught me was to turn to him with the problem, and he brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit what to do. And then I would stand on that scripture, if it was a scripture, or if it was a concept, I would do whatever the concept was. What they were doing when a problem came or when a desire to, to achieve something, like our pastor Bob Tilton said, if you want a red pickup, here's what you do. Cut out a picture of the pickup you want and put it on your refrigerator door where you will see it all the time. And somehow you will figure up, figure out how to get that pickup. Now that's what Bob taught. He taught, find a scripture and stand on it. Claim it. Claim that scripture. I didn't realize they weren't turning to God. They were doing it themselves, actually being God. I was taught, pray. And then I'll, God would bring me information, and I would do that. I didn't see the subtle difference between what we were doing because I would be standing on Scripture, but it was because God gave me that Scripture. They were hunting a Scripture to get what they wanted. And if they did not get what they wanted, they were told they had weak faith. And when they attended church more, their faith would get stronger, they were taught. And then they would get what they wanted. I never once heard anybody in all those years that I was at Word of Faith, I never heard anyone say we should seek God to see the will of God. It was like we were supposed to know the will of God and therefore seek scripture. I became very good friends with Vanetta Copeland, Kenneth Copeland's mother, during those years. She lived in Fort Worth. 
She came to my meetings. I was on radio by that time. She came to my meetings that I had for the radio audience. She came to my home. I went to her home. We were friends. I went to her Bible class some of the times. We were friends. And one time, Vanetta told me this story. One of the children, one of the Copeland children, became very sick. And she says, Joan, that child was dying. And they were standing around the bed quoting scripture. She said, I just left the hospital room and went into a room by myself, fell down on my knees and began asking God to help us. See, she knew that doctrine wasn't right. We don't have the kind of power they're teaching. Authority of the believer? During the time, I mean, I heard Kenneth Copeland teach many times. I heard them teach that all good is from God, all bad is from the devil. That seems like that would be right. But what God showed me is at the time Jesus was crucified, at the time of that, there was a great earthquake. Now, earthquake should be from the devil because an earthquake destroys property. Through the Bible, we see earthquakes are from God. And we see in, I believe it's Matthew 27, that when that earthquake came, when Jesus died and that earthquake came, then the centurion and the men were with him said, Surely this was the Son of God. They believe. That earthquake couldn't have been bad. And I began to really think about this. I began to wonder why it was those great men of faith didn't take authority over the devil when a tornado hit Houston. Why didn't they stop that tornado if they had that power? They don't have that power. But when I was there, that's what they were teaching, is that they had authority over the devil. I also saw a passage of scripture during that time where one of the main angels, he didn't rebuke the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke thee. They were directly speaking to devils and commanding them to leave such and such alone. As I remember the teaching, we were taught we had authority over the devil, so no destruction could come to our house. We could take authority over the devil and keep it from happening. And as I remember the teaching, that we wouldn't have illness. We could take authority over the devil and keep illness from happening that nobody in our group would be ill in our household if we took authority over the devil. And they call it the authority of the believer. Now that's my perception of what was being taught. I know Bob was teaching that thing about the red pickup and how to get it. But that's not the way God taught me to do. Vanetta Copeland was raised Baptist and she, when she saw that child at the point of death, with them quoting scripture around the bed of the child, she just left the room, 
went in there by herself, fell down on her knees, and said, please, God, help us. Don't let that child die. See, that's the correct way to go. Then if God gives you a scripture, that's fine to stand on that scripture. Mostly it'll comfort you. I just always wonder when I hear people say, oh, God would never let that happen to me. I always wonder, how do they know? How do they know that? See, faith is based on the word you hear from God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, maybe God did speak to them. Or maybe they're just boasting. Foolishly. At Word of Faith, we had a a young couple, married couple, and they uh, both had secular jobs. And all of a sudden, they quit their job saying they were going to Israel to preach the gospel. Quit their jobs. They moved to the nation of Israel. In one week's time, they were back at church. What happened? We were all saying, what happened? They said, well, we got to Israel and we couldn't speak the language. We couldn't do anything. Now, God didn't tell them to go to Israel, and yet they thought they were supposed to go to Israel. Either a religious spirit or their own desire to be religious and do something for God. And they gave up their secular jobs and went to Israel. That is not faith. God spoke to Noah and told him what he was going to do and told him to build the ark. And Noah did that. God spoke to Abraham and told him what to do. And Abraham did that. Faith is hearing from God and doing what God says to do. And you have to know the characteristics of God the wisdom that's from above, but we're told that the wisdom that's from above, James 3.17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's not based on your own desire, your, your own thinking. It's pure. You might never have thought of doing that before. But then it's also peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. First, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I asked a young woman once, I said, when you pray, then what you do you do? And she said, nothing. And I said, well, how do you recognize the ideas that are from God after you pray? After you pray, God will bring some idea to your mind. How do you know which idea is from God? She was completely baffled. Matthew 11.30, God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. The world wants to take pride in in their own accomplishments. We take pride in God's accomplishments, what he does what he says, how he tells us what to do. And then when we do it, our pride is in the fact that God told us what to do. But the world wants to do it themselves. If the plan 
that I think I'm going to do is difficult, overly expensive, extremely complex, I just stop and repray. God, please show me what to do in this situation. Because I know it is not God if the characteristics are fear or if I don't do that, something will happen to me. I know that's not God. That's a devil tormenting me. But if it is complex and terribly expensive, then I know there's another way to go. So I just ask God to show me the way to go on the situation. I'm basically praying for God to give me wisdom. And we have this promise from God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If we ask God, it shall be given us. That's James 1.5. So to have faith, we first have to hear from God. Faith cometh by hearing. That is um, Romans 10.17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we overcome as long as we live on this present earth. As long as God chooses to leave us on this earth, we overcome through God, through turning to God in prayer, through hearing from God by the Holy Spirit, and following God by the Holy Spirit. We are not being our own God but we are following God and turning to God, above all, turning to God. And having faith that when we turn to God, he will communicate with us. And that's real faith. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.